Hello everyone and welcome to the fourth Commune podcast on Metroid Prime Federation Force. My name is Daniel and I am joined by uh, two other members of our Federation Force group. They are Adrian. Hey. And Greg. Hello. And the three of us um, had have recently completed Metroid Prime Federation Force, uh, 100%. We are all uh, experts at this game. We did the campaign um, as a three-player co-op experience on both um, normal and on hard. And um, just to recap, uh, so far we've talked about um, the shooting and movement uh, mechanics and the dynamics. We've talked about the types of gameplay and how these different types of gameplay are spread over the campaign and in the last podcast we talked about um uh, we started talking about the levels in particular and in the last podcast we talked about incursion which was the game that uh, i uh, which was the level that i had selected as my favorite and for this podcast we are going to explore greg's favorite mission which is greg blender and this is uh, mission number nine. So we're going from what, about mission twenty-ish back to mission nine. So back to back, you know, much much earlier uh, in the game. And we've chosen to talk about um, inc- um, we've chosen to talk about Blender because it's very different from Incursion. Uh, you know, if you remember, Incursion was just a, like a standard uh, arena. Uh, arena to arena based um, shooting mission and blender is a bit different isn't it greg how does how does blender work what's the objective of the mission the goal is to take a cart from the beginning of the level and push it along a track like a trolley car all the way to the end of the track and there's an electrical storm in the area so you will occasionally have to hide in these um I guess pit stops along the track so it's almost one big level because a lot of it takes place outside and then there's just these little little holes you gotta hide in along the way Mm, so so there's a cart which is attached to a track and the players have to push that cart through the track yeah and it's all and it's all outside there's very few walls in the level yeah, that's right. So where, as in the previous um, uh, in incursion, in the previous mission that we talked about, it's very clearly organized by rooms, you know, um, being set outside. That's not quite the same case for Blender. Although I think, that, would you agree that we probably can break it down into discrete sections? Yeah, it achieves a similar effect by having those pit stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's tough st- stuff... Particular enemies will spawn between two stopping points, mm. and that would be your quote-unquote room. So basically, so you've got the carts on the track, you've got the uh, safe houses, and you've got the storm. And so the mission objective is to get the carts from one side of the level to the other side of the level by pushing them along the track. You know, that is, you know, you like walk up to the cart and you push A, and you you know you get into a fixed grab onto it. Yeah, like you grab onto it and then you get into a fixed pushing um, sort of state. And then 
but every now and then there'll be an electrical storm which will spawn in and when these electrical storms spawn in you need to get the cart into a safe house otherwise if the cart is left out um, on the track exposed when the storm comes in then it will take damage and if it takes too much damage then you know it you know, then you've more or less ruined your chances at succeeding in the mission you've more or less game over yeah if there's a, there's two carts but if both of them get destroyed uh, it's game over yeah and so you're saying as well greg that there are obstacles um or sort of enemies and obstacles and things on to get through between each safe house yeah so the storm will knock over pieces of architecture and you'll have to blow them up uh, there are also switches in the track and there's only one um, one course over the track that will get you to the end and some so any side paths will take you into a dead end so you have to make sure that the track is switched onto the correct path and then uh, there are also enemies that will spawn in like hoppers there are hopper mounds and varieties of pirates and i think elites show up as well do i recall that correctly it doesn't look like it oh well okay there's pirates then yeah so just for a bit more <clears throat> just for a bit more context as well adrian what's I mean, there's a central tension to each of the gameplay or to each of the individual sections and each of these individual uh, challenges. Can you talk a bit about what that tension is? Main tension is trying to get the cart from safe house to safe house before you get caught in the open by an electrical storm. And we had some, we, we actually recorded some pretty close moments uh, with those storms. Also, just the tension from the space pirates breaking the safe house because they can destroy them too. Yeah, you've got those two factors. You know, you've got the the frequency of the um, of the storms. So there's sort of for each section that you have have under move through, you've got like a time limit. At the same time, you've also got the enemies that come in and can um, decrease both your health and also the health uh, of the card itself. So I think that sort of establishes like the premise of this of this um, mission. But uh, yeah, um, and as we go through, you know, I'm sure you know, we'll talk about some of the strategies and things like that that we used. So um, Greg, did you want to take us through the first um, section? Well, I guess actually two questions. Is there anything else that you think that we need to say before we get onto the individual um, challenges? And if not, you can just lead us straight into the first challenge. Well, I think one important thing to remember is that the number of people pushing the cart influences how fast it goes, and that counts drones. Drones can push the cart too. Mm. Drones being the like like the helper um, AI. That um, you know that can assist you with single player. Exactly, and um, so what we did when we played was uh, people would hop on and off the cart as we had resources available, and um, so one of us would always be on the cart, but it might be moving pretty slow. And then once all the enemies were dead and switches flipped, then all three of us would be on the cart, and it would be going pretty fast. 
And so that influences how you get through those challenges. Anyway, as for the first section, um, it starts out, I think you get a siren pretty early on that there's an incoming electrical storm, and you can even see the wave on your screen, on your bottom screen, the map screen. And you can see the storm at any point uh, during the mission. And it seems like the... In our experience and in the videos we've watched, it seems like the storm is timed so that if you keep pushing the cart, then you just about get to the first safe house before the first electrical storm. Yeah, I think that's really important that the timing is tuned so that in order to get from one safe house to the next, you need to be pretty decisive in the way that you move through. Like, you really can't sort of dawdle. Um, and so, like, the first time that you... Well... <laughs> the first few times, actually, that we played through this mission, we, um, you know, it would take us a while to learn about the elements, like the individual parts of the challenges on the enemies that come in, um, switching the train tracks. And so, but what, and so, you know, that just familiarizing ourselves with those game elements meant that we couldn't get through very quickly at the start, but, you know, after we played on the mission a few times, we could, you know, be more decisive. Yeah. And that timing gets more ambiguous on the later segments as well, but on that first one, it seems like it's always timed so that the storm happens at pretty predictable time. And I believe that wraps up the entire first section. Mm. And I, I think it's important too. I'm just saying that you start off in a in a sort of underground safe house. Yeah, like in this kind of cavern area, which is itself unprotected by this bubble. So you've um, yeah, and that houses both of the two trolleys that you need to push. So you've got a bit of time to play around and um, um, and get used to the environment before before you uh, get into the main challenges. So, like, 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 that first part is just a straight run, isn't it? Yeah, you don't even have to... Uh, there is a switch on the track, but you don't need to use it. Um, another important aspect of the feedback regarding the storm. So you've got, you've got the siren sound that goes off. What else do you have? The siren, you've got the... The, uh, the map. Yep, you've got it on the map. And there's also and the screen, the sky gets darker. Mm, and my favorite effect, which I thought was really cute, is some of the rocks will begin to levitate. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. creepy. Yeah. And once you're in a safe house as well, what um, I mean, obviously you're protected, but there's also doors on the other side too, right? Like like on the left and right, uh, on the entrance and the exit. Yeah, there's doors, so you got to make sure you're out of the doorway so that they actually close. And some of the safe houses can be pretty small, so uh, you'll have to get in pretty tight. And then if a space pirate is around and they're shooting at you, then they can shoot out the doors or the windows. So, uh, Adrian, the second section. Yeah. So anyways, for this next section... Uh, one of the things that it deliberately does is it sets the track to go into the wrong direction... So while someone's pushing the cart, usually someone else needs to be, you know, quick to change it. 
or you know the same person can do it whatever but that's what also brings the team dynamics in play because this is the first real section where you're gonna have to manage between moving the cart and defending it from the other space pirates yeah, yeah in the first section like we can all just get behind the cart and push it but we have to actually like yeah, assign roles in the second part yeah, the first section's pretty safe, you know, you push the cart, make sure the track doesn't go the wrong way, and it's just a straight shot. Uh, the timing for that first electrical storm is actually pretty tight, so there's a good chance you might actually have to pull it back and take it back to the start in order to get through it. Mm. But with the section, second section, you know, aside from keeping it on the right track, clearing out any rubble should any happen to be in the way, the space parts are finally introduced. Now for this first section, they're not too bad because they all come from the same general area and that's on the cliff tops to the left. I think it's interesting that, um, so there, there are two elements that that um, teach the player uh, that they can both um, pull the, uh, or push the tram forwards and push the tram backwards. Um, and the first of those is uh, um, is the the track itself. So, you know, as you said, Adrian, it's set on default to um, to take you down the wrong path. So you actually have to, you know, flick the switch and change it so that it's on the right path. The other thing is that is is the timing is tuned in such a way that players on their first time through probably won't be able to get through um, this section um, on their first go, and so. If that's the case, you know, there's a higher likelihood that they'll have to um, retreat back to the first safe house. Mm -hmm. So it's a nice little bit of teaching there. Yeah, the only other thing to point out is in this first section, they're actually throwing both the the pirates and the troopers. And just to remind everyone what the difference is, troopers are the ones that run up and try to slash you while the regular pirates will just shoot at you. Mm, yeah. In this first section... Or sorry, in the second section, there's actually more troopers than there are pirates. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I guess, and the reason why they choose troopers is because you know troopers um, walk um, towards you and attack you, and if you've got people pushing the um, um, pushing the trolley, then that would mean that the troopers could also uh, attack the trolley, and this would thus demonstrate that the trolley itself can take damage which again reinforces another fundamental um idea for this um for the premise yeah. of this mission yeah just the general melee in general is a more direct interaction where someone has to be in your vicinity and if you're already focused on trying to get the cart from point a to point b uh someone sniping you from a cliffside might not be too important and so this is like something that actually really grabs your attention I mean, but even um, even in saying that, though, Greg, when you are pushing the card itself, you can't do anything else. Like you can just see ahead of you. So that if you're if you can only see ahead, and there's a pirate off to your left trying to shoot you from a cliffside, that might not be as apparent as a trooper. It's interesting how this yeah. this um, how pushing the card makes you passive. In some ways, I mean, it makes you passive in the sense that you, I mean, you can only really push the cart, and so you can't, um, you know, so that your role is preset in that sense. At the same time, though, you've you've got that direct visual um, 
information on the card itself and so and so i think that encourages the communication between players because those pushing the cart can see the cart um and of course it does depend on what side of the cart that they're on as well but you know and the cart should be moving straight ahead and your um and most of the um obstructions are straight ahead of the cart um unless you you know push past and uh, uh, unless you push past some enemies or something like that and therefore the default situation is that the people who push the cart have a good view of what's happening to the cart and they're in the ideal position uh, and they can't do any other interactions so they're in the ideal position to then communicate um, that information to those who are tracking ahead um, and and clearing the obstructions in the in the way so like some players have information other players have uh, like the ability to shoot stuff and so the people who have information need to share that with the people who can shoot stuff Mm, yeah, because the people who can shoot, they can, they're the ones who can defend the cart. But they don't have the information of the cart, and so there's this, um, uh, in teaching we call, uh, you know, we'd often call these sorts of activities like an information jigsaw. Two students have two different types of information, and they both need to share that information and sort of complete the jigsaw. And so um, the same effect is achieved here through the gameplay. And and it it like it's really simple and straightforward too because it just it, like it relies on the simple, um, on simple restrictions like you know if you're pushing something then of course like you can't shoot and push at the same time, but like it's very grounded in the sense that you're just seeing something through the players uh, through your own perspective, and so yeah it's it's very clever how roles are enforced through the natural restrictions how roles are um, enforced and created through the natural restrictions of uh, engaging in the challenge are you pushing the cart how did this particular um, dynamic work for us as in who did what and why well it's a good thing i have the video uploaded i was always pushing yeah same here i was always um, pushing the cart generally and if I saw a space pirate that, that was getting a little bit too close, I would often break away and then fire at them. Daniel, you actually scouted ahead to find out um, shortcuts or any rubble that was in the way. Oh yeah, I did that for the third section, uh, I remember that. But I think once we got good at it, um, uh, Adrian, you were, you were scouting primarily. Is that right? I think I would be on and off between that. Uh, when we were going for all gold and platinum. Yeah, I'm mean, going to be on and off between pushing the cart and scouting ahead and taking out any enemies. Mm, I think Greg was a, like a, um, a pusher and intel. Adrian, you were scouting and I was pushing and also using the, uh, using the uh, what's the item called? The shield bubble. Yep. The other deal with the with the fact that they use troopers more than the regular pirates is that they have to run up to the cart too, you know, in order to damage it, which means that you can see them coming ahead of time in order to defend the cart from it. Whereas if a pirate just shoots at the cart and it's, and given the cart, you can move it only so fast. If they shoot at the cart, it's pretty much going to get hit. Unless all four of you are pushing at once. 
Mm. So what you're saying is that the the choice of enemy complements the natural constrictions and the player roles yeah. that are created by that. Mm. Yeah, and another way to say it is that it is easier to defend the cart from troopers than it is from the regular pirates because they're basically telegraphed by because they have to run all the way up to you that entire time they're running is them being is them telegraphing to the player that hey you better defend the cart whereas a space pirate perched on top of the cliff um, he can shoot that thing whenever he wants which is why whenever you see this the regular shooting pirates if you see them you better take them out quick so they don't damage the cart mm. the other thing too is that because the troopers are moving um, from one point ahead of the cart, assumingly where the scout is looking out, because they're moving sort of past where the scout would be, they also act as a, as a force which um, disrupts the scout's job. So in a sense, you know, they, they can get behind the scout and then again you know, that relies on us to communicate oh you know this a troop had snuck in from behind and it makes it harder for the scout because they have to scout ahead but also be aware of any obstacles uh, any enemies that break through their cone of vision yeah and if that doesn't work you can always use you know the purple dots on the bottom screen the map Mm, of course, yep. Always have a lot of information at your fingertips. It's very clean. They're literally at your fingertips. Because <laughs> they're where you put your fingers. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. what so for this um, third section. Yeah, third section. Right. So the third section is the first where you see the path split. The safe house you can notice is on the is on the left side. Of course, it depends on if you do this on normal or hard. In normal, they give you a super missile, and if a player hasn't spent the super missile yet, you you can actually still go onto the left path to the safe house, continue onward, and then blow up the giant pillar in the way using that super missile. Um, Otherwise, in most other playthroughs or the hard mode playthrough, um, going on the left path is actually a dead end. So what you're saying is you can't actually break the um, the structure that's in, or uh, well, the obstruction that's in the way on the left path, unless you have the super missile right. on hard. Right. On hard, they don't give you a super missile. You can do it on normal because in the beginning of the mission, uh, you can pick up a super missile. It's on hard mode where they don't give you any that. Um, mm. Unless you get lucky with the mod chips in that little cave area, if you just continued straight north, uh, there's really no way past there. You have to take the right passage, which the thing about the right passage is, one, not only does it go cut straight through hopper mounds, uh, there's also no safe house, so it's a longer stretch of you having to push the cart past a bunch of enemies. This is pretty much the most intense portion that you have to deal with as far as enemy count. Because you have hoppers and space pirates. Mm. Both varieties of space pirates. I noticed that as you... At the end of the... At the end of section 2, as you leave the safe house, and you're walking into this third area, 
that the safe house on the left is visible in view, but the one on the right is not visible. You have to keep moving straight and it's tucked around that corner. And I feel like it's a bit of a devious move in terms of the level design because what it's doing is it's presenting it's it's um it's really tempting to go to that other one right yeah the one on the left but it's a dead end and i'm just thinking about yeah. why they chose this because ultimately it wastes is it is it so that they've placed it there because they want the player to take the longer path and then later realize that they can take a shorter path and play the mission again to improve their times. I mean, um, what do you guys think? I think it is a way to sort of to trick them into fighting more enemies. Because, you know, if you keep going straight, you go and see a little cliff top where space pirates spawn out of. So I think that's one thing. Can't you tell what the right path is by using the map? No. The map doesn't show the tracks. It also doesn't show the obstruction in the way. Mm. I mean, you could scout that far ahead, but there. I mean, as you're saying before, Adrian, there is quite a lot of enemies in this area that it would be somewhat reckless on to do so. So all the forces yeah. are sort of pushing you to take the left-hand path. Mm. Anyway, did you guys want to move on to the fourth section? Yeah, the fourth section is where things in. Well, things ease up in terms of enemy count, but in other ways also get stricter, or I'm sorry, more dangerous depending on what you do. That is, if you go into a certain cave, you can trigger a boss in this level. <laughs> Good old Colossum. There's actually a hopper mount on the left, so they come in from the side or behind when you're pushing the cart forward, so those are the only other enemies you have to deal with. Besides that, space parts usually don't spawn in this area. So it's only if someone, you know, say a scout decides to go and get a mod chip that then they'll trigger Colossum. Also, a pillar falls in the way, so, you know, more opportunities for team play to, hey, someone get this card out of the way so I can keep pushing it. Mm. And there is, uh, sorry, um, and there is a track change as well there, isn't there? Yeah, but you can see right away that it'll be a dead end. Mm, okay, so with what you're saying earlier, Adrian, you've kind of got so you've got the first section which is quite straightforward, you know, which is just push and you know, push the trolley forward. The second section, which is push the trolley forward and be weary of enemies. The third section, which is you know, there's a major tricky um, um, longer route that you can take, and there's also more enemies in, in that third section. And then the fourth section is a bit of a cooldown. Yeah. Um, Greg, what about the fifth section? That's just the straight shot from the last safe house to the big safe house where you uh, collect the cart. Like Adrian said, you can spawn Colossum there, but otherwise it's uneventful. Mm. What what effect does the Colossus... Is it, it is Colossus, isn't it? Colossum. Colossum. What effect does the... Ah, because uh, he's, he's a big ball. Um, yeah. What does he have I on the gameplay? I don't gameplay? recall him ever attacking in the cart. I think he's just there for points, right, Adrian? Oh, I think he does attack. I think he attacks the other players before he attacks the cart, is oh, usually what he does. Mm. 
Is it fair to say that all the enemies in this mission seem focused on players rather than a cart? Mm, not really. The The space pirates, I, I know I've seen them run past me to go to the cart instead. It, okay. They seem to ch change depending on position. Like, say, if the cart is within a certain distance, they'll target the cart, even if the player is closer. But once it exceeds that range, they'll attack the player because, you know, they're they're closer. Okay. Mm. And then from there, it's just a, um, a straightforward push into uh, the, the end point, which is quite similar to the starting point in that it's a sort of a interior cabin-ish area that's leads straight onto your ship the idea being that you want to take these you want to take the cargo carts um onto the ship so that they can be taken away for research to understand what the space pirates are doing you know like as we've discussed it's really um engaging um and wonderfully cohesive um sort of gameplay concept in terms of its mm -hmm. um um in terms of many aspects of its design like it's just great but in terms of the fiction it's like how do you <laughs> how do you write a story out of that <laughs> it's quite challenging i imagine oh yeah oh and i think uh Klaassen does actually attack the cart because uh oh. it was smoking when we got it in but we also killed him really fast because i used the super missile on him all right and understanding um how you spawn Klaassen is also important to know for going for gold Greg, um, I mean, that would kind of seem like, you know, that's it. Done and dusted, mission's over. But that's not quite the case if you're going for all three medals. Well, if you're going for all three medals, you probably want the bonus objective, which will have you... Um, there's two carts in the mission, and you can't push both of them at once. So you're pretty much forced, once you get to the end of the mission, to take a zip line all the way back to the beginning of the mission and start carrying the second cart mm, there's that zip line yeah. near the end of the map where like you'll go <laughs> underneath the whole entire level in an underground path and take you right back to the start the other thing as well is that yeah, yeah. so when you say that you can't take two what you mean is that there's uh there isn't enough room in the safe houses to contain more than one tr uh, there isn't enough room in all the safe houses maybe in some of them but i think in you know, there are a couple where you can't um, store more than one trolley, and one person right. can only push one trolley. It's not like you can push one trolley into the other and then push both of them. So if you did want to go through only once carrying both trolleys, it'd be you'd have to stagger the timing in some kind of complicated cockamamie way. Hmm. Yeah, you'd be splitting the group into two. Um, when you do go back through, I think some more enemies spawn, but the challenges are, are very similar. Mm. Yeah, more enemies spawn. I'm uh, pretty sure more things fall in the way because I know when our cart was destroyed the first time, we had to go back and get uh, the remaining cart. Two pillars fell in front of the, the entrance, so you had to destroy them in order to actually move the cart forward. So. Gee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they... It is different going, you know, taking that other cart and that, you know, more stuff's in the way. They didn't just leave the track completely empty. Of course, Colossan's not going to be there the second time around if you actually uh, wasted him. So that's, I mean, you know, that's 
the level overall. Um, but is there anything that we haven't talked about? We'd often use the loadouts in interesting ways, wouldn't we? I think we already mentioned the shield, right? Yeah, um, I don't think we really said that much about it, though. So the shield in particular, the item, you can plant it on the ground and it will stay stationary, or you can throw it onto a player and it sticks to the player so that as the player moves around, the shield moves with them. So on the shield being a spherical... um like a spherical radius around the player that protects them from attacks. Yeah, and you, an enemy can run up and stab you right in the gut, and it won't do anything if you have the shield on. What's interesting about this level is that the cart can also be pinned with the shield, so that uh, if you throw a shield onto the cart, then it moves with the cart, and the electrical storm won't damage it, enemies won't damage it, and when you're pushing it, you will not be damaged. Mm. Yep. That's pretty much the uh, one of the most powerful strategies you have for that level. So if you're running out of time in order to get it to a safe house, or if there's just a lot of enemies around the cart, you know, pop a shield generator on top of it, and then it's good. Can you also use um, the health capsules on on it or not? I don't remember. I don't. I think you could. Yeah. Hmm. I remember you can definitely heal the computer in Uplink. You can definitely do that. I'm not sure if you can heal the safe houses, though, because I'm pretty sure I I saw in the video earlier where I just shoot it through and it bounces off the sides of the walls. <laughs> Regarding that, another consequence of doing the second loop is that if the safe houses are damaged at all, then you will have to push a cart through damaged safe houses. Yep. So, so there's the element of uh, suspension which changes the nature of the challenge the second time you move through it. Yeah. But if you're good, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. So it only gets harder if you were playing worse. Mm, that's right, yeah. I mean, it's really cool when games do that where you play through a level and then the your footsteps affect how you then retread through the area. Um, mm, you know, we talked about that in uh, in one of the uh, Super Mario Land videos um, with coins. We've um, in one of the bonus levels. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. We also I, I talked about it in, in the Warrior Land book quite a bit as well. That does really cool stuff. So um, really cool stuff with how uh, with suspension and adding consequence to the player's action by making the result of their actions stay in place and then forcing them to retread the area. Yeah. What other strategies and tactics did we use? I mean, so we use... We, we, we assigned roles, as we discussed before. You know, So we had a, a, a scout, a pusher, and a healer slash shielder. Uh, we used the, uh, the shields to protect the cart when we fell into trouble you know the more that we played and um, the more that we found like the shortcuts and the more we refined these strategies um i'm just i can't think there was i think as well actually is that you know, greg the two of us were primarily designated under pushing the cart but at the same time if adrian needed some help 
you know, we would, we could very easily and dynamically just uh, very um, naturally shift roles. Yeah, it's just as simple as letting go of the cart. Mm, yeah. it, it, and this is one of the really strong points about this game is that you're not locked into a role. You can shift between any roles. You can, at any point in time, um, it gives the player more control over the experience and how they participate in the group, which is quite powerful. Um, although, one thing we neglected to mention is that People pushing, or people pulling the cart cannot see in front. They can only see back. So they'll be less likely to see oncoming enemies, and they definitely won't see any rocks obstructing the path. Right. The main thing they'll be able to see is if any troopers are coming up from behind. Things like that. Mm. I think because intuitively people would think that you'd push something from behind, so there would be less pulling and more pushing. So it's not too much of an issue, um, except for when you're, well, even when you're, if you're reversing and you're pulling the car um, towards you, backwards, going back on the way that you came, you can still see in front of you, which is still where the action is. But if you have three people pushing the cart, one of them will have to be pulling. That's true, yes. What about the people who push the car? Do they miss out on the points? I mean, because they're not shooting anything, they're not... Um, you know, doing any actions like that. So they get points for pushing the cart, but not a whole lot, not compared to, you know, getting headshots or fully charged shots on space pirates or hoppers. I guess the, uh, I guess the important thing, though, is that as long as they're pushing the cart, their points are increasing. Whereas if you're shooting, it's yeah. like sort of you get points in bursts, whereas the points... For pushing the cart, they accrue slowly, but continuously over time. Any final thoughts on this on this um, on this level? Right. Other strategies are using proximity bombs, mainly to fend off the troopers. I think you can put them on the cart itself, so that's all. That's pretty neat because <laughs> it ha and also has a good, extremely wide uh, detection radius. So they don't have to actually step over the proximity mine to set it off. All they have to do is just be close enough near it that it blows up. You also have a decoy, Samus. Which, yeah, is helpful for distracting enemies. Especially, you know, the, sh the shooting pirates. Mm. So that you can take them out and then, or push, push the car past them. Or both. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that proxy mines, oh, proximity mines really come into play when you're more f um, when you've played the level a few times you've built up that familiarity and that knowledge of the level and you know where some groups of enemies will spawn in from so you can um, preempt their attacks by placing on the proxies where they will spawn in and then minimizing the challenge yeah also the pro another interesting thing about the proximity mines is you can actually charge them up to shoot them further so they're not strictly a, a close range thing where you throw it out in front of you kind of like Obama and Zelda and hope they step over no you can actually shoot it quite a ways away so I think you can even hit those uh, space pirates on top of the cliffs there if you aim high enough and hold charge it long enough great thing about the proximity mines is they do 100 points of damage mm, they're quite effective 
Yeah. So it's not like missiles where you're actually getting less points. Uh, proximity mines are are pretty effective both in combat and for getting all three medals. Do they combo as well? Uh, combo in in the sense that they kill multiple enemies. But but um, you get the multiplier for the combo. So if you kill more than one enemy at once, if you do a charge shot and you take out, say, you know, two ice hoppers, then you'll get, like, was 100 times two. If you were to put a proxy mine down and two enemies were to be caught up and, and killed in the, in the blast radius, would you then get a times two multiplier on that? Yeah, it, you know... It does 100 damage to everything that gets caught in the explosion radius. Mm. Just to wrap up, um, I'm quite curious about how you guys feel about how about how Blender exists within the campaign overall. Because um, it's quite a unique mission, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty much the only level of its kind. So that's another thing with... Uh, you know, Federation Force is they're not afraid to try out a level idea once and only once. Containment is another example of such a thing where it's the only level in the entire game where you have to trap uh, a certain kind of monster. Uh, Blender's similar in that it's the only type where you have to push a cart around. Those carts, the models for those carts, nowhere else in the game except in this level. Of course, I did put it in the deliver and defend category. Mm. So the closest, the, the level, I'm sorry, the mission that's the most similar to Blender is actually Motherload. But the main difference with that is that it's a giant cannon and not uh, a cart. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a turret-based action sequence. Or well, at least for one of the players who, who man the turret. Yeah. And the turret automatically moves. Nobody's pushing, so you don't have to, so you don't have to trade off between pushing the cart and killing enemies. Hmm. Okay. Um, Greg, do you have anything that you wanted to add? I picked this because uh, it seemed like a conspicuously multiplayer mission, based on the role swapping. Greg's right in that Blender is absolutely. Um, a more multiplayer focused mission while it's true that you can do it in single player um, seeing how this game is primarily focused on the multiplayer uh, this one this mission more so than the others is really obvious for that uh, containment is is like that too where it's more obviously a multiplayer mission yeah I think for that reason um, initially when when we were working through this this mission, I found it really frustrating because of that initial learning experience, but and that dependence on cooperation and the natural thing where not everyone is always directly focused on the same thing, and so it really, um, you know, because we all see different things, we all have different stimuli that are coming at us, um, and so yeah. As we were working through it, I found it a bit frustrating because we were working our way through not just not just how we we're going to get through on the mission, but how we we're going to get through on the mission together. And but you know, once we start on developing those strategies that we've talked about so far, 
and playing through really effectively. I felt like a real, you know, that we really, you know, that our minds and our ideas were really are connected. Um, and that, again, it goes to what you were saying, Adrian, where because of the restrictions and the, uh, the inherent restrictions and the and therefore the roles that we each have to play that it all you know it all forces us uh, it makes the mission more of a multiplayer based mission in a, a, a mission on uh, cooperation more than anything else and in the end though you know this yeah. mission stands out as a really strong mission which is no doubt okay. uh, you know, which as you said Greg is why you chose it I would I would also say that Blender's probably uh, you could make an argument for some of the earlier missions, but Blender is I think among one of the first where, whether single or multiplayer, uh, the mission has you dividing your attention between multiple things. Mm. Indeed. So, once again, uh, Greg and, and Adrian, thank you for for joining me in continuing to discuss. Metroid Prime Federation Force. We've discussed um, in detail two levels so far, being Incursion and Blender. Um, that is um, you know, my favourite mission and Greg's favourite mission. But we have yet to talk about Adrian's favourite mission. So please uh, stay tuned for the next exciting episode of of this series of podcasts. Um, and I think once we've once we've done um, that particular level, we've still got a lot more to say about this game. So um, strap yourself in. Bye.